0: 15 verses 1 through 11 listen to the word of the Lord now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried Unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Now it's my pleasure to introduce um, someone, he was reminding me that we first met um, at Sunday Cafe, he even knew the date, November 1999, my family had invited Reverend Reverend Dr. Richard Chung um, to Sunday Cafe to eat after his interview and and I remember uh, my husband Paul and I were thinking what this this guy's so nice we really like him I hope he can stay at our church and and lo and behold there he was and even though Sunday Cafe doesn't exist anymore our friendship still does and so that's really special Um, he is a graduate of UCLA such an awesome school good and and Biola University Um, Dr. Chung is also an adjunct professor at Logos Evangelical Seminary in El Monte, and he's uh, teaching classes on Asian American ministries. Um, And Dr. Chung is also the department chair of special education at Pasadena High School and a recipient of the 2018 NAC National Distinguished Educators Award, very prestigious. Um, And as you remember, Pastor Rich served as a full-time pastor here from um, 2000 to 2016. So uh, let's welcome back to the pulpit this morning, Reverend Dr. Richard Chung.
1: Thank you. It's a joy to be here. I want to thank uh, Pastor Fred and Pastor David for inviting me to, to come back. Uh, it's great to see so many familiar faces and also to see uh, new, uh, new faces and new friends. Uh, I especially enjoyed hearing Addison share about his missions trip. I remember Addison when uh, he was in, uh, I believe, kindergarten when I first came. And uh, he has grown, not just physically. I notice he's taller than me now. Uh, but he's really grown spiritually and it's wonderful to see how uh, God continues to really work in our church in the lives of, of so many people. And so it, it truly is a pleasure to be back here at CEFC. I want to begin my sermon today uh, by sharing with you a story. Let me see if I can get the, the picture up. Alright. Is the clicker thing or... Should I try the second one? There's different ones we have. So this is the new updated version. When I was here, we had the old old version right here. And now they gave me the updated one. And it almost works. Almost works. Should I try mine? The third backup. See, after being here, you're going to have different backups. Yes. All righty. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. So this is a true uh, story. This came from uh, 1991. Uh, some of you may remember the Gulf War. Uh, in February 27th, on the last day of the war, there was a lady. Her name was Ruth Dillow, and she worked in a garment factory. And everyone was celebrating. They knew the Gulf War was almost over. Uh, they were glad that you know, people who had uh, children uh, in the war were hopeful that they, their children would come back soon. And so Ruth was working in her garment factory when two men in uniform walked into the garment factory and she saw them and they were walking right towards her. So you can imagine your feeling. Your child is in the military, he's in battle. You have these two people walking towards you. What do you think they're going to say? Well, they went to her and they said that 2 hours before the ceasefire, we are sorry to inform you that your son Clayton was killed by a landmine, a cluster bomb. And and she writes this. She says, "I cannot begin to describe my grief and shock." For three whole days I cried. For three days I expressed anger and loss. For three days people tried to comfort me, but to no avail, because the loss was too great. People tried to cheer me up, they gave me food, they gave me books to read, songs to listen to, but nothing mattered. Nothing felt good, nothing could make me feel happy again because my son was dead." Then later, she received a phone call. She was in the dining room with some friends eating lunch when the phone rang, and she went and she answered the phone. And on the other side, someone said, Hi, Mom, this is me, Clayton. Well, her friend sat next to her and heard him say, It might be a prankster, someone playing a nasty joke on you. Ask him some questions that only your son would know to make sure it's really him. So that's what she did. She asked him some questions. He answered every single one of them correctly. She realized, yes, my son is alive. I laughed. I cried. I felt like turning cartwheels. Because my son, whom I thought had died, was really alive everything felt good then every food I ate every song I listened to anything in the world was making me happy because my son is alive my life was so different now that my son was alive can you imagine that the military made a mistake thought that she thought his son her son was dead but In reality, he was alive. The question that I want to ask each one of us today, how is our lives different knowing, this is a picture of her her son and her uh, at their reunion, how happy she is. Because he is alive, the question is, how is your life today different knowing that Jesus is alive? If you have your bulletins, I encourage you to follow along with us in the bulletin. There's three points that I want to encourage you as we go through. Uh, This kind of allows you to follow along with what I'll be saying today. The question is, how is your life different because Jesus is alive? And the passage that we're looking at today is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15. And let's take a look and and study uh, this passage in a little bit more detail. Thank you, Helena, for reading this passage earlier. In verse 1, the Apostle Paul, he's the author of 1 Corinthians, is one of the most important books in the Bible because it's so comprehensive on the Christian life, on how to live the Christian life. And in the first 14 chapters, the Apostle Paul goes through so many important concepts uh, about what it means to be a Christian. He talks about love, he talks about worship, communion, so many different things. And here in Corinthians chapter 15, he summarizes and touches upon probably the most important aspect of Jesus Christ, which is his salvation that comes from the gospel, his resurrection. So let's take a look, verse 1. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. BY THIS GOSPEL YOU ARE SAVED, IF YOU HOLD FIRMLY TO THE WORD I PREACH TO YOU, OTHERWISE YOU HAVE BELIEVED IN VAIN. FOR WHAT I RECEIVED I PASS ON TO YOU AS OF FIRST IMPORTANCE, THAT CHRIST DIED FOR OUR SINS ACCORDING TO THE SCRIPTURES, THAT HE WAS BURIED, THAT HE WAS RAISED ON THE THIRD DAY ACCORDING TO THE SCRIPTURES. THE FIRST POINT THAT I WANT TO SHARE WITH YOU TODAY IS THAT JESUS FORGIVES OUR SINS. THAT YOU AND I, that WE GO FROM GUILTY TO FORGIVEN. FROM GUILTY TO FORGIVEN. YOU SEE, BEFORE JESUS, EVERY HUMAN BEING IS A SINNER THAT DESERVES ETERNAL PUNISHMENT. THE WORD SIN is a, HAS AN INTERESTING HISTORY during uh, the times of the Greeks and the Romans, they would have archery contests because archery was a, a a big sport. It was part of the military. And people would shoot and aim for the target. The gold section in the middle was their main target. And so whenever people would have these contests, they would shoot their arrows. And if someone did a terrible shot, if someone completely misses the target, the judge would stand there AND HE WOULD SAY ONE WORD, HE WOULD SAY SIN. HE WOULD SAY SIN BECAUSE SIN MEANT MISSING THE TARGET. AND, and THE FACT IS as, AS PEOPLE, WE ARE BORN IN SIN. WE ARE GUILTY. WE DESERVE PUNISHMENT FOR OUR SINS. BUT BECAUSE OF JESUS CHRIST, WE HAVE FORGIVENESS FOR OUR SINS. And that's important to remember that's the heart of the gospel that we are only saved not by our works not because we deserve it but we are saved because Jesus Christ loves us and gives us grace and mercy and we have forgiveness for our sins now when I talk about guilt um, I can relate to feeling guilty the fact is each one of us when we do something wrong we feel guilty And that's appropriate because we do something wrong we should know that it was wrong and we shouldn't have done it but i think growing up in an asian chinese family um, guilt is something that we are very much aware of because even if we don't feel guilty our parents and our relatives and our friends will tell us you did something wrong you should be guilty i don't know if you know this but i have three older brothers three older brothers in a chinese family my eldest brother had straight A's in math he got straight A's in science straight A's in English, and straight A's in social studies My second brother had straight A's in math straight A's in science straight A's in social studies and English My third brother Straight A's in math, straight A's in science straight A's in English, straight A's in social studies they only got bad in in foreign language that was allowed okay so it was my turn my turn my parents told me now you have to do well I said what is well well they gave they had a copy of this what we call the Asian parenting handbook and so my parents told me if you get an A that stands for acceptable okay but what you don't want to do is ever get a bad grade, which is a B, and you do know if you want to eat dinner, you cannot have dinner with a C, and just don't come home with a D. And of course, F means just go find another family. So I grew up with guilt and pressure, you know. Um, By the way, there's an updated version of this, 2019. 2019 is called How to Be a Perfect Asian Child, all right? So to do that, in the new version, you need a perfect score on the SAT, okay? You should have three hobbies. You should play the violin, okay, and piano. How many of you do that, play piano or violin? Yes, good students, all right. Uh, You should have three hobbies, studying, studying and study. If you do this, you will go to a great school like UCLA. Yes. Right, Jonathan? Yes, 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 yes. yes. You should also, when you get to a good college, get a full scholarship. Okay, college is expensive, Okay, And finally, love classical music and don't use your cell phone too much. All of this so you can become a great brain surgeon. I have two kids. I am not like this, okay? My my kids don't have to be brain surgeons. As long as you're a surgeon, <laughs> that's. <laughs> and it's for good reasons, so you can go on the missions trip, you know, and do the medical thing. You know, that's the re- that's the only reason, right? No, no. But but I bring this up. Oh, parents, you need to understand that your kids feel guilty if they don't m- match up to these things. Um, oh and parents, there's a version for you too now. It's updated, you know, 2019. Parents, pay attention to this part. Be a little bit more lenient on the 7 o'clock curfew, alright? Don't ask where other point went when your child comes home with a 99 course grade. My cousin Zachary got a 790 on his English SAT, and where did the other 10 points go? So, anyway, it does happen. Uh, Don't reveal all the stuff about your kids to the entire church community, okay? That means don't gossip, right? I specifically put that in there for some of the youth that wanted me to say that, okay? (laughs) Don't try to set up a date with your kids, okay? And this is important. You can say more things than, did you study yet? Into your daily conversation with your children. Here's my point I want to make. It's hard to be a perfect parent or a perfect student, a perfect coworker, perfect whatever, perfect neighbor, perfect husband, perfect wife, perfect grandparents. It is very difficult. And, and I bring this up in, in seriousness because I, I do know that in my years working with youth, uh, people deal with guilt and shame. I was in San Francisco for many years, and I remember the students there would would talk about having a low self-esteem or having their value based on not who they are, but based on how they looked or how popular they were. They would come to me in San Francisco and they would say Pastor Rich, I don't feel I'm good enough. And when I came down to Los Angeles and I, I, I met the youth here, you know what? They felt the same way. Youth would feel, I don't know about my self-esteem. I would base my value on the wrong things. I don't feel I'm good enough. I work at Pasadena High School now. I come across students every day that say to me, I don't feel I'm good enough. And you know what? It's not just the youth. I've come across adults all my life, and their sense of value and self-esteem is not high because they don't realize that their value does not come from their performance or their appearance or their reputation, but it should only come from God's grace. Your importance comes from the fact that Jesus died on the cross for you. And that's where our self-worth lies as we are the children of God. There's a misunderstanding, I think, that as Christians we have Sometimes we think to ourselves, you know, when I make a mistake, I should have done better. Next time I will do better. Or I will try harder next time not to sin. And here's the problem with this way of thinking, is that our guilt and shame is bound to our actions. And this is not an accurate portrayal of what the gospel message is. You see, to receive God's grace, what it really means is how we should think. Is I cannot do this on my own. I need to depend on God. That's what should be going through on in our heads. And so what do we do? We go to God and we say, God, I am sorry. I need you. And the result of this is my guilt and shame is given to Christ on the cross. You see, the reality is that all of my sins, past, present, and future, are assigned to Jesus Christ. There's no condemnation that results in the fact that we have received God's full pardon. All of Christ's righteousness is credited to me so that God, on my relationship as as a Christian believer, that I am totally accepted by Christ that's why paul makes such a big point of explaining the fact you know Christ died for our sins that he was buried and he rose on the 3rd day this is the center part of the gospel message and paul wanted to make sure that we don't un- we don't misunderstand any of this that the central part of our faith is that Jesus died on the cross for us what that means is that because you and I we are now free we are forgiven In the application that I want to give you today, I don't know if you ever felt that you're free. Maybe you've, you know, you've passed a difficult test or you overcame an obstacle. Uh, You were cured from a sickness. You were released from a place of torment. Or you're giving another chance to make something right. This is what it feels to be free. In my application for each one of you is every morning when you get up in the morning, you remind yourself that because Jesus Christ died on the cross for me, Because I am forgiven, I am free. That's our first point for today. Let's continue as we go on in this passage. The second point, verse 5-7, we go from doubting to believing. Because Jesus Christ died on the cross, we go from doubting to believing. Let's take a look at this. Verse 5, Jesus appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Paul was reminding us that Jesus came and he showed himself to the apostles and also to 500 other people because Jesus wanted to make sure that people understood that he had risen from the dead. The resurrection is central to our belief. Because if Jesus did not really rise from the dead, if all he was was just a famous teacher or a philosopher, then our sins will still be there, that we would not have received forgiveness for our sins. But Jesus wanted to make sure that people saw him to show that everything he said was trustworthy, and that when he said that our sins are forgiven, that he meant it. Remember, for Peter, he was someone that was so scared. When Jesus was crucified, he denied Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. And he was so scared that all the apostles were huddled together, you know, scared in the upper room. But then we see something changes. These same people that were so scared of of, of getting hurt by the Romans, they're going out there and they're preaching the gospel. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, you see Peter preaching, and and they're warning him, if you keep on preaching, we're going to kill you, we're going to flog you. And he does it anyway, because he's not scared anymore. Why isn't he scared anymore? He's not scared because he saw the risen Christ. And he knew that death was not a finality, but there was life after death that's why Jesus showed himself to all these people because you and I we need to know that Jesus is alive that we should not live our lives in fear and in guilt or doubt that we need to believe and realize that Jesus is alive now the reality is a lot of times we do doubt we still have doubts we have worries about the future we're afraid and and we question Is God really there? Did Jesus really rise from the dead? What's really going on in my life? Let me highlight this important part. In the gospel message, Jesus gives over 120 commands or imperatives. He gives 125. The second most common genre of command that Jesus gives is eight times in the gospel. He says, love God and love your neighbor would you say that's important yes right love God and love your neighbor he says it eight times not once not twice he says that a lot of times because it's important we need to love God and love your neighbor but remember this is only the second most common imperative what do you think is the most common what do you think is the thing that Jesus constantly taught over 21 times Jesus will teach this in the Gospels. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. Do not worry. Do not fear. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be frightened. Do not be alarmed. Why does Jesus say this so many times? Because he knows our human nature. We doubt, we worry, we get afraid. But Jesus reminds us He showed himself to these people because he wanted us to remember that he rose from the dead. He forgave us for our sins. He's alive. So because of that, we should not live our lives in fear. In fact, Max Lucado, one of my favorite authors, he said, Fear never wrote a symphony or a poem, negotiated a peace treaty or cured a disease. Fear never pulled a family out of poverty or a country out of bigotry faith did that. You see, you and I, we, we need to remember that Jesus rose from the dead. He showed himself to over 500 people because he wants us to remember, to be reassured that he is alive, that we go from doubting to believing. Now in Psalm 23, there's a good passage that talks about how, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in reality, I'm sure that in some of your lives you are going through a lot of stress. Maybe someone is sick in your family, maybe you're having problems in your job or in relationships or people at, at home. You may be going through a lot of struggles. And you may feel that you are stuck in the valley. But the reality is that God always helps us through the valley. That whatever we are going through, whatever doubts that we may have, whatever fears that we may have, that Jesus is with us. He reassured Thomas when Thomas doubted. He forgave Peter when, when, when Peter denied him. And he is with us every step of the way. Jesus did not die on the cross and rise from the dead, So that we live our lives in fear let me say that one more time jesus did not die on the cross and rose from the dead so that we live our lives in fear instead we need to believe and have faith and trust in the lord my last point today as we continue in this passage is that jesus embodens our lives we go from being confused to confident. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 11. But let me ask you this. What is your purpose in life? What is your purpose? This is the question that you know, people always ask high school students, especially high school seniors. What are you going to do after high school when you graduate? You know, I ask this all the time to students. What are you doing after high school? You know what the most common thing they say is? I don't know. They say it in different versions. I don't know. Or, I don't know. Or, I don't know. There's so many different ways of saying I don't know, but it means the same thing. It means, I don't know. And so what do we do when kids say that? We send them to college, right? We send them to college, and after uh, $100,000 or maybe more, After four to five years of college, they come back and we ask them the same question. We say, what are you going to do now? And what do you think they say? Not if they went to a good school. They don't say, I don't know, if they go to a good school. If they spend lots of money and went to a good school, they don't say, I don't know. They say, I'm keeping all of my options open. (laughs) The reality is there are lots of times when you and I we we get lost in life we're not sure what's going on we don't know what what God's plan is for us but let's take a look at what what the Apostle Paul says okay here's the Apostle Paul remember he was someone that killed Christians he thought his purpose in life was to persecute Christians and look how wrong he was but in verse 8 he says Jesus appeared to me as to one abnormally born. For I am the least of the apostles, and I do not even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believe. You see, the Apostle Paul wanted to highlight, yes, I preach the gospel. The gospel is the center part of our faith. And even though I am the most unworthy, because I used to persecute the church, I still preach the gospel. And in other words, Paul was saying, look at me. I am someone who was so unworthy, and yet God even had a plan for me. That here I am, I get to preach the gospel message. THE FACT IS YOU AND I, WE NEED TO REMEMBER GOD HAS A PLAN. HE HAS A PLAN FOR YOU. YOUR LIFE IS NOT A MISTAKE. GOD HAS A PLAN FOR YOU. SOMETIMES YOU MAY FEEL LOST. YOU MAY BE GOING THROUGH A VALLEY. YOU might NOT KNOW WHAT IS GOING ON. BUT GOD DOES KNOW. IN FACT, TAKE A LOOK AT THIS CHART HERE. THIS IS LIFE FROM GOD'S PERSPECTIVE, RIGHT? God's looking down, there's creation, there's the life of Christ. I mean, this whole little section right here, that's the whole Old Testament. Many, many years. And Israel, many times, they're lost and confused. They don't exactly know what's going on. But God always had a plan. Here we are, 2019. We may not know what's going to happen in the future, Like that song that goes on. We don't know what happens in the future, but what do we know? We know who holds the future, and that's Jesus Christ. God has a plan for you. That if God can use someone like the Apostle Paul and forgive him, he can use you as well. There are times when we may be confused, but no matter what that confusion is, we are saved. That we have God's salvation given to us as a gift. So whatever you may be going through, whatever stress that you may have, maybe you feel like this today. Anyone feeling stressed today? Anyone concerned about anything in their lives? Whatever you may be feeling, God knows and he cares for you. God has a plan for you. Okay, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. God does have a plan for you and He has a purpose for you. And it's not just for us as individuals. As a church, God has a plan for us. In the book of Jeremiah, God speaks to the people of Israel. He says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And if you look at Israel, they went through a lots of ups and downs. Most of those downs happened because they lacked faith. And those ups happened when they believed in the Lord. During my time here at CFC, I was here for 16 and a half years. I served under seven different senior pastors and one interim senior pastors committee. That's a long story. Okay, don't worry about that. They were all great people. And during those times, we went through ups and downs. There were times when we were worried about the budget, uh, worried about getting enough volunteers. I know we never worry about those things now, okay? But we did. Sometimes we worry about those things. And you know what? God always helped us through. As Christians, whatever we may be going through, we need to realize and remember, God has a plan for us. He has a purpose for us. In summary, Beyond all hope, Jesus rose from the dead. Our sins are forgiven. Our faith is reassured in Christ. We have purpose and meaning. Let me close with this final illustration. Very soon, we will be celebrating Easter. Easter is an important time because it's a reminder that Jesus rose from the dead. It wasn't always that easy to be a Christian. In the first century, the Romans would kill Christians. They would be thrown into the lion's den, literally in the lion's den, for entertainment. But something happened in 165 A.D. In 165 A.D., there was a plague that struck the Roman Empire, and millions of people were dying. They also had a famous doctor at that time. There was a doctor named Galen. He had straight A's and became a doctor. He was the most famous Roman doctor at that time and do you know what happened to him when the plague came to Rome? He ran away because he was so scared of catching it. He ran away. But do you know who stayed behind and helped all the sick people? It was the Christians. In 165 A.D., the Christians spent their time helping the people that were sick because they were not afraid of the plague. It wasn't like they wanted to be sick, but here's what they would say. They said, we believe in life after death. We know that there's a better place. And for the Romans, many of them that didn't even believe in an afterlife, that message struck home. And they became a powerful witness. Christians no longer fear death the same way that the Romans did. Because Jesus rose from the dead, they knew there was an afterlife. You and I, we need to live our lives differently. We need to live our lives knowing that Jesus is alive. He reassures us of our faith. And he has a plan and purpose for us. Let's bow our heads as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we first of all thank you so much for the gospel message. We thank you for the message that Jesus Christ came to earth, died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, and he rose from the dead. And we pray that for each one of us here that you help us to always remember this gospel message, that our value comes from being a child of God, from knowing that you've forgiven us for our sins. Help us in times of doubt. Help us in times of fear. Reassure us of our faith and our salvation in you. And Father, help us to always remember that you have a plan for us. That whatever we may be going through, that you have a plan and purpose for our lives. And that even as a church, that we together at CFC, that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And so help us to live a life that is faithful to you. Help us to worship you, our Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our song of.